is what we believe. And uh, I, I love what the Apostle John wrote so tenderly in one of his letters to some Christians. He said in uh, the, the fourth chapter of 1 John, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And I know as one person, I, I, I confess that there's been a time in my life where uh, I was uncertain around that. And, and even in times of stress sometimes, uh, uh, doubts can kind of creep in here a little bit. And so I'm just going to lead us uh, this morning in a short time of prayer when we just think about how we embrace the truth that God has so carefully laid before us. So if you'll just uh, bow your heads with me and join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, even as we uh, worship you this morning, we humble ourselves and we acknowledge that we can be a confused people at times. We acknowledge that our ears sometimes are not open to your voice, that we do not always take in truth as you make it available to us. So, Father, I pray that you would baptize our ears this morning, that we would be careful listeners and filterers. Father, we confess before you that our minds in a broken world oftentimes are not whole, and they, we don't always think right. And Father, we even struggle to admit that. So Father, this morning, I pray that you would transform our minds by the Spirit of the living God. Father, send your word through our ears and into our hearts, but also don't bypass our minds, Lord, I pray. And Father, I do pray for our hearts. I do pray that the affections that we hold um, would be baptized by your Spirit this morning. I pray that our hearts would be soft, that our hearts would be in a posture of receiving. Father, I pray for those that are distant and far from you, and I pray that they would see a glimmer of hope. I pray for those that are near to you and yet they're hurting that you would offer a word of comfort in their time of trial. Father, I pray for fathers and mothers, grandparents, children, the retired, freshmen in college. Lord, I pray for every one of us that's here before you, that by your word and through your spirit, that you would fill Tanner as he brings your word to us this morning. And that, Father, when the, at the end of the day, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and you would change our lives so that we're not the same leaving as when we first came in. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Right, thanks, Pastor Eddie. All right, our kids can head upstairs to be with our team in Redemption Kids. And... Please uh, pray for them as they transition that way. If you're a new parent, new guest, you want to escort your kid, feel the freedom to do that and uh, check out everything where we uh, have their classes. And I'd like to invite the rest of you to open your copy of God's life-giving word to the book of Hebrews. We'll be in chapter 5 this morning, starting in verse 11. So Hebrews is toward the back of the Bible, uh, probably about the last, uh, you know, uh, tenth, you'll kind of hit. Uh, Hebrews there. You can look it up in the table of contents if you need a little bit of help. Um, well, today uh, we're going to take a bit of a, a lighter uh, topic, um, that being 
that of fake news. Now, if you were uh, with us the last couple of weeks, um, we really dove into some really heavy topics. We uh, spoke on sexual abuse two weeks ago, the Me Too movement, and how we need to think about this in a, in a biblical way. Um, and so if, you know, and then last week was addiction and how that uh, God wants to set us free, all of us free, no matter what we may be uh, addicted to or have a proclivity to be addicted to. Uh, we need God's freedom. And so I just want to say that um, if you have any kind of just unresolved, uh, just you know, feelings out of those messages, or even just you just need to speak with someone, a counselor, a pastor. Um, we, we are here for you. And I know sometimes it's hard to just kind of take that step and speak up, uh, but just want to say on behalf of all of our pastors, uh, we are here for you. We want to help you journey forward. And, uh, and then just as a preview, uh, really excited about the next two Sundays. Next Sunday is our Baptism Sunday, uh, so it's going to be loaded with stories and baptisms. Sh- much, much shorter sermon is the plan, okay? Um, but it's going to be a great Sunday. And then the following Sunday after that on the Columbus Day weekend, we're going to start a new series through the Sermon on the Mount and thinking about this new normal that Jesus invites us into. So I hope you'll be here the next couple of weeks, uh, some very special Sundays coming up. Well, um, as I've been, uh, you know, preparing for this message, I just uh, just felt like I needed to get, you know, more uh, up to speed on what's been happening in the world. And um, I came across some really uh, just, you know, phenomenal uh, news stories uh, this week, and I just want to share a few of those with you in case you missed them. Um, so, um, you know, the, the Queen of, of England, um, she survived an assassin attack. Um, there were Islamic terrorists uh, that were trying to, to kill the monarch. In fact, uh, the terrorists who called themselves Red Jihad um, vowed to put her to death. Um, but, but thankfully, her fast-acting guards uh, saved, saved her uh, from uh, being, uh, you know, put to death by the, the fanatics. And so uh, she escaped assassination just, just this past week. Really uh, thankful for um, just the, the good work of uh, the British protective, you know, services there. Um, and, then, and then there was another, there's another article about um, Elizabeth's grandmother, who was the queen of mean. I mean, just to follow up that story with a, a lighter story, um, Elizabeth's grandmother was just not a, a kind lady. You can see here her picture, uh, just not a very um, friendly woman, apparently. So she was the queen of, of mean, if you, if you missed that. Uh, but, but then, you know, I just really felt kind of uh, cheated uh, in, this, in this week's uh, news because just a few weeks ago, um, we would have not only caught Aretha Franklin's deathbed confessions, um, but we also would have discovered that Bruce Lee's body was stolen by Chinese gangsters. <laughs> I mean, like Red Jihad, Bruce Lee, I mean, this is just, wow. I mean, this is the globe, all right? Not the Boston Globe. Not the Boston Globe, the globe. The globe that has been in publication since 1954, maybe it's 64, I believe. But listen, uh, fake news is not a new phenomenon, right? This is fake news, just in case you're, you know, you tweet like the, the queen was, you know. Um, fake news, not, nothing new. But what is new, what is new is uh, just the, 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 the 
pace in which fake news can spread in our culture thanks to technology and especially social media. And so we know that today uh, a fake news story can be blasted out and it can go further faster than ever before. So not only do you have that reality, but you have, uh, you know, our own president who's done his part to help this idea of fake news just become common in culture. In fact, according to one count, our president uh, used the word fake news just in his tweets 203 times over 18 months. And so that's just, if you want to do the math, that's 11 times per month or once every 2.6 days. And uh, I am not here to get political. I'm not here to bash the president. I'm just here to talk about today's culture. And by the way, can we pray? Like, let's pray for our president. And like, like it's just, I know that, that you know, I mean, would we ever agree with everything a, a president, you know, stands for or, or, or practices or all of his policies? But like, if we can't pray for our, our president, uh, then there's something going on with us, you know, as maybe well as with with him. So uh, let's just, you know, that's a sidebar. That's like, you know, not the point of the sermon, but I uh, just felt I should say that. Uh, but, but thanks to President Trump, this word has just gotten into our culture, so much so that in 2017, fake news was the word of the year. I mean, its usage over against 2016 rose 365%. And so it just as, as, we, as we dive into this, this topic here this morning, I think we need to, you know, like we could have a lot of fun and we can look at the Globe and the National Enquirer and we can kind of, you know, look at clickbait and all the silly stuff that's on the internet. But what I want us to think about is this. The reality of fake news exposes deeper spiritual realities that drive these Big questions and concerns of life. Questions such as, who can we trust? What can we believe? And what is our source of authority? Who can we trust? What should we believe? And what is our source of authority? And so what we need, and where I want us to focus this morning, what what we need as human beings, okay, much less like believers in Jesus Christ, okay, what we need is what the Bible calls discernment, discernment. Tim Challies in his really fine book, uh, The Discipline of Spiritual Discernment, he defines discernment in this way. He says, discernment is the skill of understanding and applying God's word with the purpose of separating, okay, truth from error and right from wrong. That's what discernment is. It's a skill that, that, that we develop over time as we understand and apply God's word that, that the goal is to separate truth from error, right from wrong. And so I want to take us to Hebrews 5, perhaps uh, the, the key text in terms of understanding what discernment is all about and what it should look like in our lives. So if you would follow along with me as I read verses 11 through 14 or just listen carefully. All right, here we go. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. About this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. 
For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Let's pray one more time. God, we pray that these would not be empty words to us, but that we would be the antithesis of what we just read, that we wouldn't be dull hearers, we wouldn't be slow learners, we wouldn't be slow to grow in our spiritual journey, God, but that we would receive your truth with humility and grow in this endeavor to develop discernment. We pray through the name of Jesus, amen. And so the primary encouragement that I want to give us this morning is to develop discernment to navigate the falsities of life, all right? Develop discernment to navigate the falsities of life. And what I want to do is this. I'm going to walk us through. This is what we do at Redemption Hill, by the way. If you're new, we love the Bible. We believe the Bible's true. And so we just try to lock in on what the Word of God says and see how it is relevant for our lives because the Bible, if it's true, it's timeless and it's always relevant, all right? That's just how we roll around here. So um, if God spoke, then, you know, who cares what Tanner says? So the, the goal of, like, Tanner and any preacher is to explain what God has said in his word. That's what we're about. So what I want to do is explain what we just read, but then also draw out implications for how we process information and specifically how we process news that is coming at us at, you know, just a, a, a blistering pace, right? And so first and foremost, verse 11 tells us that we need to develop discernment through active receiving, all right? Develop discernment through active receiving. Um, we, we are um, relational beings, okay, because God is a relational God, okay? We communicate, and we communicate frequently, and we enjoy communication because God is a talking God. He is a speaking God. He is a God who communicates with us. He spoke, the Genesis says, he spoke the world into existence, and he wants to relate to each one of us. And so we, 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 we are constantly receiving information, giving information. But to develop discernment, we need to be active receivers, not passive receivers. This is what uh, he says in verse 11. Look at this. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. So let me just explain what's going on here. When he says about this, he's referring to the truth about Jesus as our great high priest. Okay, so Jesus is the great prophet, priest, and king of the church. Okay, he is the one who uh, communicates God's truth. He is the one who brings us 
to God and gives us access to God. That's the role of a priest. And then he is also the king. Uh, so so he, this, this writer, he wants to talk about Jesus being the great high priest. He wants to go deep into that. But he says, I can't do that right now because I need to help you understand that you have, in fact, not progressed in your faith and understanding of Jesus, but you have actually regressed. And he's very blunt. He's very uh, just assertive, and basically what we can just kind of summarize this paragraph as, uh, aren't you glad you came this morning, is this, grow up at your age. That's what he's saying. And consequently, that's what we need to hear as well. I mean, hopefully this is true for you. Hopefully you're, you're growing up. Hopefully you're moving on to maturity. But, but, but I know there are times in my walk with Christ where I just need God to tap me on the shoulder and say, like, keep growing. And don't think that stops just because I'm a 37-year-old pastor, you know? And so we just grow up, act your age. Every parent knows this, right? Every parent knows one of the most effective, you know, strategies and speeches you can give your children is, you know, when they do something really foolish. Okay, parents, can I get a witness on this? Like, when they do something really foolish, like the four-year-old does something foolish, and you say, like, Jordan, how old are you? I'm four, right? She said, I'm four. It's like, well, well sweet. You, you, you're whining like a baby. You know what I'm saying? Like, you sound like a baby. This is like crying out. Like, does that sound mean? Is that, is that like a bad way to parent? You know what I'm saying? Just forgive. Just forgive, Pastor Tanner. See, I'm still growing. Right, but it's like, you know, seven-year-old, Kesset, like, Kesset, how old are you? I'm seven. Like, why are you acting like a four-year-old? You know what I'm saying? Just like destroying everything and leaving things, like not taking responsibility. And so it's, it's a way to hopefully, hopefully gently, just bring some perspective and say, you know what? Yeah, I'm not acting my age. And this is what's going on here. He's saying you need to act your age. And he says that, that, look, I would love to talk about Christ's priesthood, but it would be hard to explain. And the reason it would be hard to explain is not because the subject matter is that difficult, nor that the communicator's ability is like not there, but is because they are dull of hearing. What this, what this word means is that they have become lethargic. They have become apathetic. The Greek word can mean that, that there is a culpable negligence or a sluggishness in, in some aspect of life. In, in this uh, aspect of life, it's, it's how they are hearing the teaching about Jesus. It's very similar to what he's already said in Hebrews when in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, pay much closer attention to what you have heard lest you drift away from it. And one thing that we need to realize here is that he says you have become dull of hearing. Did you notice that? He says you have because so, so the implication is that they were once making great progress. They weren't passive in their reception of truth, but they were active. They weren't lazy, but they were uh, very, you know, active in, in working hard. They weren't proud. They were humble. And so if I can just keep it real this morning, that's another thing we'd like to do at Redemption Hill Church, I'd like to keep it real. Um, here, here's, here's this, let me just put this in very uh, clear terms. Since that's, the writer's doing that, I just want to model that, all right? So, so this is the reason why two people can leave this 
worship service today, and one person is saying, Pastor Tanner, you know, he wasn't really on his A game today. You know, he, he could have handled that a little better. Wasn't, you know, wasn't as good as last week. I didn't really get much out of it. Not that anyone's ever said that, you know. Not that, not that you've ever said that. Not that you would be tempted to say that today. I'm just, but then on the other hand, you have someone else that is saying, wow, I needed to hear that today. I want to grow in wisdom. I need some deeper discernment in my life. Research has proven the more humble the listener, the better the sermon. Come on now. Come on. The more humble the listener, the better the sermon. And this is not to excuse bad preaching, you know what I'm saying? It's not to say like, hey, Pastor Tanner, Pastor John, Pastor like, we want to keep growing, right? We want to cultivate the gifts that God has given us, right? I never want to stop growing as a communicator, as someone who understands the, the Word of God and teaches it. But we need to recognize that we have a responsibility as hearers to be active in our listening and to seek to receive with humility. And so what does this mean for how we process news? And I think the first thing we could say is this, that as we, as we process news, we should process news actively and not passively. Actively and not passively. We, we all know, all right, it goes without being said, but I'm going to say it. We, we live in a different generation, all right? You know, my, my dad, every, every morning before, uh, you know, we would go to school and he would drop us off and then he was a teacher, he would go on to work, you know, he had the paper and a cup of coffee and he was reading that newspaper, you know, before we would load up and then he'd be like waiting for us in the van, you know, the old blue van, 1989 Aerostar, it was sweet, come on now. And uh, so, you know, he just, that's how he, he had to seek out the newspaper, he had to choose which articles he was going to read, okay, and then, you know, the t- TV has made it, you know, even more accessible, 24-hour news, but still there's like, there's a measure of, of like, I'm going to turn on, you know, this or that, and, um, but, but now, now our news just bombards us, right? It just is coming at us. The, the news feed on your social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, whatever, it's just like it's coming at us and we are not maybe pursuing news actively, but we are receiving it passively. The reality today is that we don't seek news, but news seeks us, which means that we need to be all the more aware of what we're reading, and to put our critical hat thinking skills and hats on just a, a little quicker to say, what, what, what is this that I am taking in? And uh, one, one, other, one other thing here, um, part of the, the irony of how fake news is affecting our culture is the larger reality of how technology and, and the internet and social media is changing us and we don't even realize it. So, so just, you know, can, can we not, you know, Pastor Tanner, can we not just like hours just scroll social media? Hours upon hours upon hours Teenage men, young men, not so young men, just playing video games.
binge-watching Netflix. You know, these acceptable addictions that we talked about last week. And listen, don't hear me say like, Social media or Netflix or playing a video game, you know, is a bad thing, okay? Like, it's not bad in moderation. But what happens is this, okay? What happens is we just take it in hour after hour after hour, and then all of a sudden what we don't realize is that all of this information is having a deadening effect on our intellects and on our souls, It's what Neil Postman wrote a few decades ago in his excellent book, We Are Amusing Ourselves to Death. Amusing ourselves to death. We need to be active receivers, not passive in how we receive news. Then number two, we only develop discernment by being active receivers, but we also develop discernment by growing in God's truth. Let me read verses 12 and 13 again for us. He goes on and he says this. You become dull of hearing for, now he's like, when you see the word for, oftentimes it's like, it's building an argument for what he just said. He's grounding what he just said in these next two verses, okay? So he says, for, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone else to teach you again. The basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. And so, I mean, just very clear, very straight up. He says, look, like, you've known Jesus not for a few weeks, not for a few months. You have been taught the truth of Jesus probably for most of them for years and years. And so what he's saying is that, like, you, because of that, because you've heard this again and again and again, you should have your teacher certification and be passing on the things that Jesus has passed on to you, and yet you need to go back to elementary school. This is what, when it says basic principles, some translations uh, would translate that the elementary principles. The word there can refer to, in in, in other usages, um, the the letters of the alphabet. That's that's what we're talking about here. And then he he emphasizes their lack of maturity through the metaphor of food. Again, using the the, the image of, of an adult versus a child. And here he's using an infant, and he says, you need to go back to receiving milk, not solid food. So just take my... Seven-week-old son, almost two months, uh, old son, Titus. What does Titus enjoy as his morning, noon, and night meal and all times in between? Okay, you can just see him over there. Marcia's got it. Okay, like, this dude is just drinking milk. That's all Titus can, can take. In fact, did you know baby, like, newborns can't even drink water. They can just, the only thing that they can have is milk. That's Titus. What about Tanner? Come on, give me that burger off the grill. You know what I'm saying? Give me that New York strip if we're going to splurge a little bit. Take me down to Boz for a sea parm. You know what I'm saying? So like, but, but no one is, is like, no one's hating on Titus because he can't enjoy those things. If he tried to take those things in, he would choke, right? It's like, And the writer is trying to wake them up, right? 
He's trying to wake us up. He's saying, like, keep growing, keep moving on. And I love what's implied here. Because sometimes in the American church, if I can just preach for a little minute. In the American church, in our entertainment culture, as we amuse ourselves to death, we come to church as consumers and spectators and not active worshipers who are in the fight, in the game, about the business of the kingdom of God. Forgive us, this is right, thank you, God. Because the, the clear implication here, and I love this, I love it, I absolutely love it, okay? He's not talking to pastors. He's not talking to the leaders in the church. He's talking to everyone in the church. And and what's implied is that everyone should be teaching everyone. You don't need a master's of divinity to teach somebody. You don't need the title of pastor to teach somebody. What you need is a humble heart, the word of God, and the love for people around you. That's what you need. That's what we need. So this is for all of us. It's for all of us. Now, as sure as I say that, let me be so clear here. If, if you are new in Christ, keep learning, keep growing, keep moving on, right? If you are, if you are a, a young Christian, if you've just placed faith in Christ recently, And by the way, if you've never done that, maybe today's the day that you need to say like, hey, I've been kind of living my life for myself and today I want to step into the life of Christ that he offers me. Why not today? But but if if that's you, if you're new or or young in the faith, then then the primary is just keep learning, keep growing, keep making progress. But if you've been in Christ for some time, you should be moving on to maturity in such a way that you are able to take what you receive and give it to other people. Notice that the writer is talking about our ultimate source of authority. At the end of verse 12, he says that these basic principles are the basic principles of the oracles of God. This is another way. This is a a phrase that refers to the Old Testament, the 39 books in the Old Testament. My kids are learning the books of the Bible. Steve Agbula takes him to school and he gave him $5 for learning the books of the Bible. Thanks, Steve. That was, mm, come on. I love it. <laughs> I taught it to him quick. I didn't ask for a cutoff, the five, by the way. But um, anyway, good parenting. So where, where was I? Oracles of God. 39 books of the Old Testament. And, and what clearly by the context of, of what he's writing, the, the, he's including the the content of the Christian message, which we now have in the New Testament, the 27 books of the New Testament. This is the oracles of God. This is the revelation of God. This is the truth of God. God has given us the knowledge of him through the scriptures, the word of God, and and Jesus Christ, his, his living word. And so we come to this authority. This is our ultimate authority. For all matters of life, of of truth and morality, this is our authority. I just want to ask you, so what's what's your source of authority? Not not just like, hey, what you would say, like Christians, like, oh, yeah, the word. Like, 
but, but, but really? Like, like is, it, is, it, is it your authority? Is it your light? Is it your life? It's what strengthens you. It's what keeps you going. It's what helps you differentiate truth from error, right from wrong. See, the second, the second kind of help in terms of processing news in our lives is to measure every source against the source of God's word. We need to measure every source against the source of God's word. As Christians, okay, this is, this is from the Bible, right, Christian perspective. As Christians, we should filter everything through what God has already said. So, so whatever another human being would say, whatever a news story would say, whatever a professor would say, okay, it's like we, we should filter that through what God has already said. God is the ultimate authority. And, and his, his word is, is like a, a level in our lives. This is actually a laser level. It's really sweet. Um, you know, I'm not a handyman, so I just feel powerful right now just even holding this in my hands right here. Um, and, and, I, and once I got married, I learned how to hang curtains. You know what I'm saying? That's 12 years ago. And, and now I'm even like somewhat proficient in hanging pictures on the wall. And so last week after, you know, just really enjoying a powerful Sunday and like people just, you know, seeking God and, you know, it's like I just want to chill, take a nap, watch a little football. And then, you know, but Marsha has a weekend list, you know, so he just has like Tanner's chores, you know. And so um, we're finishing up Titus's room. Maybe we saw it on Facebook this week. And so there were these two canvases that she ordered. And so we had to hang those canvases. And so what happened was, you know, I am not the artist or the creator of, you know, the beauty, beautiful design in the room. So, so my job is to hold the canvas on the wall, right? So I'm just holding it, and this little level is, is on top of the canvas. And, and so it's just like you get it in the middle. Oops, the, the, oh, it's kind of tough when you're not. So, so you just like get it in the middle, and it's like everything should be good to go. But, 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 but Marcia sometimes doesn't believe that the level is accurate. And so it's just like up a little, down a little, well, we ended up a little more, and then, you know, then she dropped this one on me. Just turn it this way. What did the turn? Like, how do you turn this way? I'm looking here. Turn this. And, and so, you know, I'm just like, yes, you're right. It needs to be turned this way. And so I'm just like trying to humble myself, you know, and serve my wife. And so finally, you know, we get it, and she's good. And thankfully, you know, Command Club, she, it gives a little forgiveness anyway, so you can kind of take it off and put it back on and fix your errors. I love those things. Um, I need them. But, um, but this is like the level is, is to, like to set the standard of, of, of how it should, should be. And so what we do in our life is that we take everything that we hear and we put it against the standard of God's word. Like the God's word is the laser level in our life for all information that we receive. It's, it's the laser level for all of the moral decisions that we would make. And so as we receive news actively, measuring every source against the source of God's word, there are other tips. Let me just give you a few, and you can find these notes online later this week if you want to, uh, some help in this. But uh, just wisdom, okay? Wisdom as we measure every source against the source of God's word. Uh, Consider the source, the source of, of, of what you're receiving, right? Like, what's the news source? Where is it coming from? Who is the author? Investigate the author. Uh, read beyond the headline. You know what I'm saying? It's like, do, do they back up their claims? 
Is there, is there a, a supporting argument for what they're saying? Check for bias in the source. Don't be naive. But then also, even as you're checking someone else's bias, it's really important to check your own bias. Because as we receive information, what we can often be guilty of, and this can only be like a, a, a view in the culture, be it political or, or, or whatever in the workplace. Okay, this can also be in the church, theological, right? It's like we kind of believe what we believe, and even as we understand God's word. And so like if someone else has a different interpretation, we fall into confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is that we uh, are quick to listen to anything that supports what we already believe. Instead of measuring it out carefully. This is an, another related reality which social me media just absolutely fuels is what is known as the echo chamber. What is the echo? The echo chamber is, come on, what is up with that? Listen. That's what that is, echo chamber. <laughs> that was amazing. Come on, I'm like, this is the thunderstorm. God's moving in here. People are paying attention, leaning in. Not, not dull and listening, but active in our listening. Do I need to grab the other mic, Alex? We good? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? There we go. Hey, echo chamber. <laughs> so the, the echo chamber is when you... you get your news sources from all of your friends on Facebook who already share the same values that you share. No, not that, not that many of us do that. So we need to not only check for the bias of, of the encoder, the sender of the, the message, this communication theory, and then the sender, but also the receiver, our own bias. And then when it comes to fake news, we can always actually check the websites that, you know, work 24-7 to snuff out these false uh, reports and fake uh, news uh, in our culture. And so um, let me just say this, because it's easy to pick on, you know, the media. It's, it's easy to look around, but we should also look within. We should also look within. You know, there's not only fake news out there, there's also fake news in here, in here meaning the church, hopefully not in this church, all right? This is the goal, like always, it's truth. Not, but, but, but we just, in the, in the Christian culture, we can just kind of start to take in this, these, these falsities um, that, that we just think is like, yeah, doesn't God say that? Isn't what the Bible says? So here are a few. If most people believe it, it, it must be true. I mean, this is kind of how we operate at times in terms of what we're receiving. A lot of those, those people believe must, must be good. Uh, how about this one? If it feels good, do it. If it feels good, just it must be okay. God must want this for me. It makes me happy. God wants me to be happy. It makes me happy. It feels good. I'm just going to do it. To get a little more theological, God's commitment to me is proportional to my commitment to him. Did you catch that? God's commitment to me is proportional to my commitment to him. Let me tell you something. God's commitment to you is so disproportional to your commitment to him. If we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Wow, thank you, God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for every time I blow it, every time I fail, every time I'm not committed to you, you remain committed to me. Our eternal destiny is heaven. 
We're going to spend forever, ever in heaven. It's not, it's not right. Did you know that? We're going to spend forever, ever in the new heavens and the new earth. That's what Revelation 21, 20, 21, and 22 say. Not just like the eternal bliss of this you know, place that we can't, but no, that Jesus is coming back and there'll be a new heavens and new earth. Everything will be restored. Everything will be redeemed. Everything will be made new. It's something to look forward to. Here's one more. The key to happiness is learning to love and forgive myself. I don't have time to get into that one. Fake news. Fake news in the church. I mean, just even a huge megachurch out of, out of uh, North Carolina. Uh, just a few weeks ago, a friend sent me a link, and this famous pastor, who maybe some of you follow on Twitter, um, he's, he's saying that Jesus was so limited by the unbelief of the people in Nazareth that, that he was actually um, not able to, to, to perform these miracles because of their unbelief, which is, is, is definitely a half-truth, if not, it's a whole untruth, right? Because, like, Jesus is not limited by anyone. Fake news. Measure every source against the source of God's word. So we're just growing in it. Just, like, give, give us more. Help us to understand this God. Not just Sunday sermon, right? But, like, tomorrow, tonight, next, this is, like, to, to continue to take it in. And then third, develop discernment to distinguish good from evil. And we think about good from evil, and I've said this a, a couple of times in the definition from Chalice, all right? We, good from evil includes both truth and error, right and wrong. So, so it's not only uh, what, what we're believing is, is truth, but it's how we're living life according to what we believe. In short, it is to think like Jesus and then to live like Jesus in light of what we know to be true about Jesus. And so how do we do this? It says it right here in verse 14. But solid food, the contrast, the child, now verse 14, the mature, okay, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And so like to say that these, these powers of discernment are trained is to say that, that our, our intellectual and moral and spiritual uh, you know, uh, uh, capacities are being strengthened and growing because of what we know to be true about God and how we're seeking to live that out. And so it's like how is this, how are we growing in this? It says it right here, it says by constant practice. And so day by day by day, as we receive information, no matter what the source may be, we take everything back and we filter it through what God has said. Day by day by day, as we go about our business, as we're making decisions in life, and we're thinking about where we go, what we do, who we hang out with, what we're going to, to do with our money, no matter what the decision may be, okay, we filter it through God's word to make wise and ethical decisions as he deems what is right and what is wrong. It's by constant practice. Yes, we're going to blow it at times. We come back, God, help me, forgive me, help me to 
have better discernment next time. And so in, in, in all phases of life, we should be living by the words of Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5 when he says this, test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Test everything. And, and let me just, as a sidebar, let me help us here, okay? Because, you know, it, it's so common to say, and you'll hear this like in the workplace or whatever, like Christians are so judgmental, Jesus says don't judge, you guys are hypocrites. And it's like, okay, wait, wait a second, all right, just wait a second. Don't judge means do not be judgmental. Judgmentalism is I am so good, I am so holy, I'm so much like God that I need to help you out and look down on you because you don't get it, you don't live it. That's, that's what Jesus means when he says, do not judge. He does not mean don't differentiate truth from error, right from wrong. You just have to throw away the rest of the Bible if that's what he means. And, of course, the reason that people say don't judge is that they want to do what they want to do, which is oftentimes in the case when they say don't judge is that they want to do the wrong thing. Discernment is part of the wise life. It's, it's, discernment is wisdom in motion. So, so listen... If, if you're like, man, Tim, like, I don't feel very mature in my walk with God. I feel more like a child. I feel like I need milk. I feel like I need to go back to the basics. Listen, that's okay. It's okay. But let's keep moving forward. Let's keep taking more of Christ in. And here's the beautiful thing about God. God is not stingy. He's not stingy at all. When you come to God and you say, God, I need some wisdom here, that's actually the very thing that he asks us to do. James 1.5, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who, guess what, gives generously to all without uh, finding fault. This is what the beauty of King Solomon, when God said, hey, one request, what do you want from me? Solomon could have asked for a long life. He could have asked for the expansion of his kingdom. Okay, what he asked for was, give me an understanding mind to discern what is good from evil. So this is what we should seek as well. As we process news and information around us, we should test everything. Test everything with the maturity and wisdom found in Jesus Christ. And so listen, I probably don't have time to comment on how fake news thrives on immaturity, this childish craving for controversy and quarreling. And MIT did a a study, researchers there, that fake news is proliferated at six times the rate of true news. It's like, well, why is that? I mean, there, there are other factors, but certainly one of them is just the immaturity of our hearts. We just love controversy. We just love, we're just bent to like wanting something that's sensational and novel. Our greatest need is the wisdom of God that is found in Jesus Christ. So let me end with this. Colossians 2, verse 3 says, In him, in Jesus, is found all the treasures, all the treasures, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
And so just like every week at Redemption Hill, it's ultimately all about Jesus. We want to think like him. We want to live like him. And we want to help point others to him that we can live wise and discerning lives before God and before those around us. So what I want to do is this. I want to pray, and I want to invite you, just like every week, no matter if it's the first time or if it's just surrendering today over him, I want to invite you to come to Jesus. Say, make me wise like you are wise. Help me to align my life with your life. That's our prayer today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your truth that is our ultimate authority. We ask that it would guide us every single day, no matter what is happening in our lives. Give us wisdom to discern truth from error and right from wrong. God, I I ask now that, that you would give us a hunger for you. Give us a hunger for your wisdom, your truth, that we would not just receive your words on a Sunday, but that we would constantly and continually uh, seek out what you have said about our world and about us so that we can live in line with who you've revealed yourself to be. And so, God, would you help us to grow as a church? I pray for a church that's full of teachers. I pray for a church that's, that's full of, of wise discerners who can help out the people in their workplace, in their family, in their neighborhoods, Lord, that we would shine the light of Christ for the benefit of those around us. Lord, we can only do this by your grace, and so we ask that you would help us. In the name of Jesus.